is Express FM. Supported by Southern Co-op, we are passionately Pompey. It is a new era at Fratton Park. There's a new man down there in the dugout. What a goal! A wonderful strike! Pure, unadulterated Pompey. Absolutely thrilled to be here. You know, everything that I was expecting coming into the city and coming into the football club has been matched and more. Action and reaction. I think you probably saw on the pitch that there was a lot that we'd worked on in a short space of time. I think it's really good positive signs for the future. Certainly really excited to be playing under him and excited for what we can achieve this season now. Giving Pompey fans a voice. It's been immensely frustrating to still be in League One after six years. This is the Football Hour. Fans' interest in this division peaked a lot long time ago and it's stagnating we've got to get out of this division and into the championship Pompey stunned during Port Vale's first trip to Fratton Park since 1999 Port's goal kick they take short oh and it's charged down and Pompey have got lucky there they still might be punished because Ojo's going to shoot and Ojo's going to score a mistake from Macy and Port Vale have doubled their lead but a second-half comeback from the Blues inspired them to rescue a point and close the gap, albeit not as much as they had hoped to the playoff positions. Life ball in, Jacobs can't get there. Hack it, short, blocked, won't fall for Bishop. Jacobs at third. yes, there's the equaliser! Michael Jacobs swivels and smashes it into the bottom corner. It proved to be too little, too late, however, as John Messino and Daryl Clark's respective sides shared the spoils at PO4. We'll hear what the Pompey boss had to say after Pompey's comeback from two goals down. Going 1-0 down against the side who are decent enough, they've had a really good season, is, is quite difficult, let alone going 2-0 down. But again, a mistake from us playing out from the back. No problem with us trying to play, there's just a bit of detail in and around how we want to go about doing that, that we need to get a bit better. And a little later on, we'll also hear from Chief Executive Andy Cullen, who talks us through the club's academy and the plans to improve it. We've had to do a complete review of the academy, as supporters know, the last 18 months. Greg Miller's been at the forefront of that, completely reshaping staffing. But as always, Blues fans, it's you back home we want to hear from tonight. Did Pompey miss Joe Morell or frustrating proceedings in midfield at the weekend? Was that two points dropped or a point gained? And despite Saturday's setback, is a top six finish still within reach with just eight games to play? Get in touch. It's 81400 on the text. Start your messages with the word express. Otherwise, direct an email to sport at expressfm.com. Use at expressfm on Twitter or visit facebook.com forward slash Pompey Live. For the next 60 minutes or so, stay locked in and ready to get involved with our post-match debrief here on the only radio station proud to be passionately Pompey. You're listening to the Football Hour here on Express FM. This is the Football Hour 93.7 Express FM. A very good evening and welcome along to the show, which is this season brought to you by Stagecoach Across the South, providing an affordable and reliable bus service through Hampshire and along the entirety of the South Coast. Be sure to visit stagecoachbus.com for more information. Coming up on tonight's episode, then, we'll have two more Blues fans with us to provide their thoughts on what proved to be a frustrating yet quite exciting afternoon at Fratton Park on Saturday. We'll listen to the post-match thoughts of head coach John Musino. We'll take a closer look at how Pompey's international stars have been performing for their countries and hear from Blues Chief Executive Andy Cullen, who talks all things Pompey Academy, sustainability and the training ground as well. 
But before any of that, let's take a short trip back in time to the weekend as Portsmouth welcomed Port Vale to Fratton Park for the first time since December 1999. Back then, a goalless draw was played out between the two sides who, on this occasion, over 23 years later, were able to provide a bit more of a spectacle. Everything we do is passionately pumping. A wonderful goal! Every second of the action is right here. Shooting scores! 90 minutes of passionately pompy commentary. He scored! This is... You want to believe it! Pompey Live. We are underway. Portsmouth are in their usual home kit. They are going from left to right towards the Milton end in this first half. Bennings away for Port Vale down the left, into the area. Danger for Portsmouth, ball across the middle. They haven't dealt with it, and it's into the net. And Port Vale have scored. It's Matthew Taylor. It's a defensive mess from Portsmouth. And Taylor scores for the second time at Fratton Park against Portsmouth. Portsmouth nil, Port Vale 1. Portsmouth goal kick, which they take short. Oh, and it's charged down, and Pompey have got lucky there. They still might be punished because Ojo's going to shoot, and Ojo's going to score. A mistake from Macy, and Port Vale have doubled their lead. Six minutes before the interval, another goal is a mess at the back. Port Vale have taken full advantage. Pompey nil, Port Vale too. Tied to the far post. Raggart pushed to the ground, yeah, he was. and the referee, as he said, penalty. He has, you know, and it's a yellow card for Nathan Smith. Bishop steps forward and it's saved and the ricochet is cleared half away and then Harrison puts it behind for a corner and Porter have wasted a golden opportunity to get one back. And the whistle does go and there's a few boos around Fratton Park. A frustrating first 45 minutes for the men in blue and they trail Port Vale by two goals to nil. Ogilvy, lovely, another penalty. Has fouled Ogilvy, a second penalty kick. I don't think they can have any complaints about that. Harrison's protesting his innocence. Ogilvy's got to the ball first and he's been hacked down. It's a penalty kick and Bishop has got a chance to partially make amends. Referee will blow the whistle and Bishop scores this time. Keeper dives the right way, it's underneath him. The difference is it's a better struck ball. Bishop has 23 for the season, Ports has won, Port Bell two. Like ball in, Jacobs can't get there, hack it, short, blocked, won't fall for Bishop, Jacobs effort, yes, there's the equaliser! Michael Jacobs swivels and smashes it into the bottom corner, and two goals in a matter of minutes has turned it around at Bratton Park. Ports are two, Port Bell two. Hackett's looking for it, Hackett, can he get there? Hackett in the box of Pompey! done it. Pompey just needs to get a ball into the box. There's not going to be time for it. Rico Hackett so close at the end for winning it with virtually the last kick of the game for Portsmouth. But they are going to have to settle for a 2-2 draw at home to Port Vale. Every second of the action is right here. Pompey Live on Express FM with Aqua Cars. The highlights there from Saturday's 2-2 draw with Daryl Clark's Port Vale at Fratton Park. There were uh, a few other games uh, at the weekend in League One um, due to the international break plenty called off. So uh, elsewhere from the weekend on Saturday, Charlton 1, Wickham Wanderers 1, Exeter City 5. 
Accrington Stanley nil, Fleetwood Town 2, Lincoln City 1. Big game at the bottom of the table. MK Dons 1, Morecambe 0. Elsewhere, Peterborough United 2, Derby County 0. And on the Sunday kickoff, live in front of the Sky Sports cameras, a massive, massive upset at the new lawn as Forest Green Rovers rock bottom of the division. Um, shocked Sheffield Wednesday, winning that one by a goal nil. So a fantastic result for Forest Green Rovers, who are Pompey's next opponent at Fratton Park. So, uh, yeah, you couldn't have picked a better weekend to, to pick up that result, could you? Um, Duncan Ferguson, thank you for that. Um, take a look at the League One table then. Uh, big, big implications at the top of the division. Sheffield Wednesday now without a win in their last three league matches. Defeated twice in a row after 23 league matches without defeat. They're now second in the division, two points behind Plymouth Argyle, who are top, but they do have a game in hand. But things are much, much closer between them and the Pilgrims. Ipswich also lurking behind in third place with 75 points and three points behind them in fourth. Barnsley on 72. They are eight points ahead of Bolton Wanderers in fifth with two games in hand as well. So that top four is just at the moment running away with things. Bolton in fifth and Derby County in sixth, both with 64 points. Um, both without to win in their last two games as well. Peterborough United have climbed up to seventh position after three wins on the trot. And Wickham Wanderers without a win in two dropped down to eighth position. Pompey unbeaten in three matches and three wins from their last six move up to or remain ninth. And Shrewsbury Town, Pompey's opponents in just a few weeks' time in tenth position. With a goal difference of six, that's just three less than Pompey. Three points behind with a game in hand. So things also tight, uh, not just between the top four between 5th down to probably about 10th as well. Exeter City in 11th place, quite a few points behind Shrewsbury. It's going to be a very, very exciting end to the campaign. Down at the bottom, Forest Green Rovers remain rooted to be foot of the division despite that win on Sunday. They are still 11 points behind safety, having played a game more as well. So despite an impressive result, they look down and out, unfortunately. Cambridge United, Morecambe and Accrington Stanley, all three of those sides, without a win in the last six, remain in the relegation places. Oxford United, they're also lingering pretty dangerously close to the bottom four. Just two points clear. They do have a game in hand, but also without a win in their last six. So plenty to discuss between now and seven o'clock, not just involving Pompey. But that is, of course, where we start this evening's conversation. Time now to welcome in my two guests for this evening's chat. First of all, please give a warm welcome to Mr. Alex Fletcher, who accompanies me in the studio for this show tonight. Alex, welcome back, mate. Good to see you. Good to see you too, Jake. Thank you. Good to see you actually in, in the studio I know. as well. It has been a long time since I've been sitting in this chair. Back it's down nice it, to be back. Yeah, it is. Back, back down in Portsmouth. Were you at the game on Saturday? I wasn't, unfortunately, no. no but I do... My family members were, yep. so I've been given the full debrief. I've given the full debrief. You've got to give another one tonight as well um, and look it, it doesn't take uh, it doesn't take someone going to the game Alex to actually assess that, that first goal yeah. um, from, from Port Vale just eight minutes in Matty Taylor someone we highlighted pre-game as a player to watch not sure how he's even at Port Vale on loan from Oxford United considering no. their their struggles in yeah. the division and the goals he scored in the first half of the campaign and you'd have thought he'd be someone they'd want to keep hold of anyway um, he was on the score sheet on Saturday scoring that opener and it was just a calamity at the back, wasn't it? First of all, you've got Sean Raggett and Riley Towler, none of which committing to actually head the ball clear. Mm. But then you've got the space in the middle for Matty Taylor, who capitalised on a, a missed kick from Conor Ogilvie, and that set the precedent for the first half. Exactly, yeah. And I think 
it was very surprising to me to see a result of 2-2 between those two teams because I think many would expect Port Vale to come down They, if the, as soon as it went 1-0 I thought that's how it's going to finish I thought it was going to finish because I thought they're just going to sit back now they're going to try and absorb the pressure and we're going to struggle with the home crowd sort of getting on our back and things like that but I think you can't let regardless of the fact that the score was different you can't let a team like that in early to score a goal I mean it was absolutely calamitous defending and it hasn't necessarily been something so far under Messino that has been completely terrible it hasn't certainly been the best in the league by uh, by any stretch of the imagination but it's it's not exactly been something that we feel we've needed major surgery on so it, it was a shock and you think fair enough the first goal you think teams make mistakes things just don't go away but when you, you then see similar uh, defensive I don't know complacency let's say yeah. with the second goal as well it really is concerning and the fact that we were able to get out of it and get a point is I mean still two points dropped but it gets those defenders out of jail more than anybody else in that stadium Alongside Alex tonight we have joining us from back home uh, Mark McGee Mark good evening sir thank you very much for calling in tonight Hi Jake pleasure to be here mate and, and, and Alex has just alluded to the second goal there, more calamitous defending from Pompey, and it really stemmed from initially uh, an attempt to clearance from the goalkeeper, Matt Macy, closed down by Matty Taylor, who got a touch on the ball. It fell very kindly, must admit, to Funzo Ojo, uh, just outside of the penalty area, area, who slotted it in past Matt Macy. Um, Mark, where do we even start with this one? Because you've got the initial um, closing down by Matty Taylor. Do you see that as good persistency from a striker, or do you think that Matt Macy has potentially let his concentration slip a little bit there and perhaps should be doing a little bit better to try and clear that maybe a bit quicker? Yeah, I think um, it's, it's a bit of both, but I think I did, it did strike me as a little bit of complacency from Matt Macy. I think he he took an awful long time on the ball. He, I mean, he could have got out of, out of his feet a little bit quicker. I mean, and especially with a striker like Matty Taylor roaming around, we know that 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 man knows where the back of the net is, and he's he's a feisty customer. I'm pretty sure he always gives. Uh, he's always on the score sheet against Pompey, or so it feels. So I think a bit of complacency from us, especially after the first goal as well. Um, I, I like the way we play out from the back, but yeah, yeah, we were really complacent with that second goal. Goes to show, Alex, uh, again, Mark just alluded to it there. Um, playing out from the back is something that John Bacino's implemented within this team since <laughs> his uh, arrival in January. We, fans have been praising the fact that we've seen a more positive style of play, a more energetic flow to this Pompey team, but in instances like that on Saturday, particularly with that second goal, it goes to show that whilst you can look really good going forward, like, like Pompey did on Saturday in, in, in flurries, it, it can catch you out at the back. And that is really the devil's advocate you've, you've really got yeah. to be careful with. Definitely. I think when you play out with the back, particularly at this level, I think the majority of the time, if you've got some quality at the back, and particularly if you've got a midfielder dropping in, which is how we've played so far with, with Nassinio in charge, it can work. You can sort of really work your way out there, and then you can find the space in behind, you can find the wingers. And, it, and generally, I think so far since he's been in, it has worked. I think what you also have to do, though, is you have to be realistic about what sort of level you're at. If you're under significant pressure, if you're under too much, in that situation there, it just has to go. It has to be got rid of. You can't... You know, and it's not like we don't have someone like Cobby Bishop up front who isn't good at winning the ball, you know, sort of flicking it on, holding the ball up. You can play that way at times uh, if, if necessary. So it is about being, I think we've definitely got the balance a lot better than we did under um, under the Cowleys because it was calamitous on, on multiple occasions during that regime. So I think we have got the balance better and think sometimes, you know, maybe this will be positive generally because it sort of teaches us, okay, you know, we're not Manchester City. We do have to be a little bit more realistic about what we've got the ability to do in terms of playing out from the back and creating creating chances that way. But you just hope now that 
they don't lose the confidence in doing that because they have obviously have shown they can do it and yeah. it does prove to be a good style of football but at the same time if in, I think again it's always that big phrase and I think I stand by it no matter how good football gets at the high level if in doubt get it out <laughs> just, just get it out yeah uh, Mark it's a question that has been floated around on social media since the result on Saturday and, and to be fair there are quite a, a few contrasting answers to it um, and I throw this to you now Pompey, of course, going 2-0 down at half-time, recovering it to 2-2. We'll come on to talk about the Pompey goals and go through them in a bit more detail in the next part of the show. But my question to you, Mark, would be, was Saturday more or less two points gained, or, or sorry, a point gained, or was it more two points dropped? What, what kind of side of the fence do you sit on in that regard? You've got to say, with Port Vale's form going into that match and the league position of us both and our form as well, I think you've got to see it as two points dropped, surely. I mean, we did well to get back into the game, but I think most fans can be expected or can be forgiven for thinking that we'd come away from there with, with three points. I mean, I, I'm, I don't like being one of those fans that looks at a fixture and decides, you know, OK, we should be beating them. But, you know, I've got to admit, I, I was quite impressed with the, the front two, Ellis Harrison and Matty Taylor. But even so, like, you know, their league position dictates, you know, the quality of them generally and our form has been brilliant we've we've, we've seen an upturn under Massinho and yeah I, I'm, I'm quite disappointed I mean that was a really good chance for us to keep keep closing in on the on the top six and, and we sort of missed the opportunity yeah uh, Lee Davies on Twitter says very poor performance Saturday against the side we definitely shouldn't be struggling against how can we be fighting for a last minute playoff place and drop points like we have how can people be happy with a 2-2 draw from losing 2-0 against the side but we really shouldn't be in the first place that's the thoughts of Lee Davies uh, on Twitter thank you very much for getting in touch there Lee right in a while we'll take a listen to what Blues boss John Bassino also had to say after the full time whistle on Saturday and whether he he views that result as a point gained or two dropped. I think at half-time it feels like it's a point gained. Overall, it feels a bit like it's two points dropped because of the fact that we, we really should have, you know, having not made those mistakes, just come away from that and with a 2-0 victory, whatever it would have been. But ultimately we didn't. We did make too many mistakes and, and we got what we deserved. So I think when we reflect on it overall, we'll, we'll look at it as a point gained. Even more to come from myself, Jake Smith, Alex Fletcher and Mark McGee when the Football Hour returns after this short break. This is the Football Hour, 93.7 Express FM. Go by bus. Go greener with Stagecoach. Next stop, a cleaner, greener future. Did you know that if we all ditch the car and switch to a bus just once a month for a year, we'd save the UK 2 million tonnes of CO2? Switch to bus, because by switching, you can make a big difference. Get on board a Stagecoach bus for a cleaner, greener future. For more information, go to switchtobus.com. This is the Football Hour, 93.7 Express FM. Hello there, welcome back to the Football Hour here on 93.7 Express FM, brought to you as always by Stagecoach Across the South. You can search for Stagecoach on either the Apple app or Google Play Store to download their app. You can uh, you can track your bus on a live mapping system and even prepay for your ticket as well. You join us this evening on the show where we've got a full debrief of Pompey's 2-2 draw with Port Vale at the weekend. That, of course, followed a 2-0 victory at where Bristol Rovers just a week prior. Pompey remained ninth in League One. And as things stand, the difference between them and the playoff positions is just a matter of six 
points. With no games in hand between Pompey and the likes of Derby County, Bolton Wanderers, who are currently in those positions, but six points between now and the end of the campaign. Eight matches remaining. Of course, Bolton Wanderers themselves not in action for a fortnight or so. They, they've got a few international players and they've got the Papa John's Trophy final to play um, on Sunday as well. So exciting times potentially as Pompey keep us on the edge of our seats and Alex between now and the end of the campaign as they quite often do mm. but if we're being honest it's not usually for the right reasons and, and yet again Pompey yeah. find themselves not excited for the end of the campaign necessarily because we're in a good position mm. it's excited because of the potential where we could be because yet again we are chasing yeah, it's never never the easy way, is it? And I think that's been the, the sort of story of the last six years in League One. I think, I mean, yeah, at least it keeps it exciting. I mean, I was very disappointed, I think, after the, the Plymouth defeat. I thought, well, that was it. The season was over. And we've we've sort of just kept, kept just about in touch enough. And we have made up ground. Obviously, it's disappointing. I do believe it was two points dropped on, on Saturday. But we we are closer. We, you know, let's just put a positive spin on it. We are closer to that top six. We still have a couple of those teams in around that area that we could potentially take points off. I think Derby, second to last game of the season, being the key one. And we do have a, a I think... On paper, a much more favourable run-in, I think, than some of the other teams in that area. I think eight games to go, we need, I would say, six wins out of that. So we're going to have to be in serious form. And I think that was what was so disappointing about the, the game on Saturday, because that would have been one of the games where you looked at and think, OK, we need to win that. I think Forest Green, coming this Saturday, despite their you know their very good result against Sheffield Wednesday, that's another one at home you think, OK, we've got to be winning that. That's the kind of game that you want to win if you want to make this put this run together. So I think that's what we need, six wins and maybe a, a sort of draw in there as well. Then I think we'll certainly be in amongst it. If you get a, a really big points total and no other teams drop points, then that's just your luck. We, I think, perhaps will look back and regret not uh, changing the manager sooner. But yeah. That is all it is. Hindsight's a wonderful thing. Exactly, yeah. Um, looking at Pompey's results from the month of March, then there were six matches played. It started with a 1-0 victory away at Cambridge United on the 4th of March. A few days later, a midweek trip to Barnsley ended in a 3-1 defeat, and that set the precedent for a difficult week for the Blues, then hosting Sheffield Wednesday at Fratton Park, losing that one by a goal to nil. Then back-to-back wins away at Atkinson Stanley and Bristol Rovers, respectively, then followed by Saturday's two will draw with Port Vale at Fratton Park. So that is an accumulation of 10 points out of a possible 18. Coming up for the Blues between now and the end of the campaign, we mentioned eight matches to play between now and Sunday, the 7th of May. In April, Forest Green Rovers on Saturday, the 1st of April, of course, this weekend. And that is also earmarking the start of the Portsmouth Football Club celebrations for the 125th anniversary. More on that on Friday's edition of the show. MK Dons away um, just six days later, Easter, uh, Good Friday, um, away at Stadium MK. A few days later, Good uh, on Easter Monday, rather, um, the 10th of April, Morecambe at Fratton Park, three o'clock kickoff again there. Shrewsbury away, Oxford United in midweek away, Accrington at home, Derby County away in the penultimate game of the season. And the campaign is rounded off with a home match against Wickham Wanderers. That match, of course, moved to the Sunday, the 7th of May, due to the coronation of His Majesty um, the King on Saturday, the 6th of May, King Charles, of course. So that is the run-in for the Blues. Um, Mark, looking at those games, Forest Green Rovers, MK Dons, Morecambe, those three matches in particular, three teams who are either 
in the relegation zone or have just crept outside of it, but still within danger of dropping down to the fourth tier. Is this really Pompey's best chance to claw back those points and really staple themselves as a side that are potentially going to creep into those playoff positions? Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, <clears throat> look at it this way. We're, we're in like playoff territory now. I mean, had we won on the weekend, we'd be four points away from the playoffs. You know, we're, it's a realistic opportunity we've got and we need to, I think it's all well and good sometimes saying, oh, you know, well, we weren't, we weren't really you know, aiming for promotion or the playoffs back in January, but you know, we need, you know, we're a big club. We've got, we're, you know, we're sixth uh, in the form table, I think in, in the league, we, you know, we're a dangerous opposition. I mean, I was just looking at the stats there. Colby Bishop's second highest scorer in the league. We're, we're, we're in a good moment at the moment. Uh, I think we've got to remain optimistic. We've got to be confident. And I think as a manager, John Massino has got to be looking at those three results and anything other than three victories, I think, based on current form and, you know, the, the, the playing style and just the overall quality of the squad, you can't really accept anything anything less than, than, than three victories, in my in my opinion. Mm. Um, we've got we've got to be ambitious. Uh, we've got an ambitious fan base. Um, and we're in a good moment, like I say. So high expectations for me. Speaking of a manager, John Messina, he spoke to Max Swatton shortly after the full-time whistle at Fratton at the weekend. Right, John, let's start from the very beginning. Just on that first half, how do you put it into words? Uh, really disappointing, I think, from, from a lot of angles. We created our own problems in terms of the two goals conceded, just not quite being positive enough on, on the first goal, letting the ball drop to Matty Taylor and then they, they build from there and yeah, going 1-0 down against the, the side who are, are decent enough, they've had a really good season, it's, it's quite difficult, let alone going 2-0 down with, again, a mistake from us playing out from the back. No problem with us trying to play, there's just a bit of detail in and around how we want to go about doing that, that we need to we need to get a bit better. So, having missed the penalty as well, just before half-time, yeah, really, really disappointing, but, um, yeah, overall to come back into the game after pretty much everything went wrong in that first half was really pleasing. After that blow of the penalty miss, what can you say at half-time to the players to sort of rally them together and, and regroup as well? Yeah, just to convince them that they're still in it and there's still plenty of plenty of game to play. Another 45, 50 minutes or, or wherever it, whatever it is to, to make sure that one goal really changes it and there's plenty of time to, to get back in it and go again. Um, and that actually, things weren't a huge disaster in the first half, apart from a couple of the mistakes we made, but you know, we were still well in the game. If we'd have scored the penalty, it would have been one goal in it. As it was, it wasn't. And uh, that was it, really, just positivity, making sure that we believe that we can get back into the game, which we did. You looked at the bench in the second half, you made a change at the break as well. What sort of impact do you think they had? I thought the subs came on were excellent. We had to make one quite early on and Michael Jacobs ended up scoring. I thought Clark Robertson was excellent for 45 minutes and Tom Lowry affected the game. Um, I think he was a pivotal, I think, in the build-up to the penalty in the second half. Uh, he got in those more advanced positions and, and played really well. So, yeah, really pleased with what the subs did coming on and impacting the game. Just on Tom Lowry, you brought him on and, and changed, changed formation as well. You had Crackers and, and Tom sitting just in front of Ryan Tunnicliffe. What impact do you think that had on the game? Yeah, we wanted to, to try and get those two to, to try and get Michael and, and Tom a bit higher up the pitch. We felt that we were playing in front of Port Vale a bit too much in the second half, so we just wanted to yeah keep keep that um, sort of defensive solidity by having Ryan in front of the back two, but also then just really trying to open them up a bit more. And, and thankfully, you know, thankfully I think it started to work as the second half went on, and yeah, we saw a couple of really good performances from from Michael and Tom. You obviously had the disappointment of the two goals conceded in the first half, the penalty miss. You came back to, to draw a level in, in, in the second half and there was absolute elation. Just in the context of the game, do you feel it's a, a point dropped or, or two points gained? 
a really difficult question to, to answer. I think at half time it feels like it's a point gained. Um, overall, it feels a bit like it's two points dropped because of the fact that we, we really should have, you know, having not made those mistakes, just come away from that with um, with a 2-0 victory um, on w whatever it would have been. But ultimately we didn't. We, we did make too many mistakes and, and we got what we deserved. So I think when we reflect on it overall, we'll, we'll look at it as a point gained. It became a bit of a cagey affair after the equaliser. What do you put that down to? I just think mentality of both sides. I think we put so much effort and emotion into getting back into the game, um, and that you know maybe we just weren't quite ruthless enough in then going on and, and, and scoring again. We thought we've got back into it, and you know maybe we need to make sure we don't go three two down. And, and also Port Vale, Port Vale um, you know, came here with a plan and going 2-0 up they certainly would have come here to, to make sure that they frustrate us in the second half and, and kill the game and try and have the ball in play as little as possible um, and so I think as soon as it went 2-2 maybe their mentality changed as well and we've got to deal with that better we've got to deal with what Port Vale do and then deal with our own mentality a bit better as well Paddy Lane came off injured in the first half what's the prognosis on him? Yeah, a hamstring injury for, for Paddy, I think everyone could have seen that. And really unfortunate for him, but we'll we'll see how it settles down and look at it on Monday and Tuesday and go from there. Blues gaffer John Bassino speaking to Max Swatton um, after the two-all draw with Port Vale on Saturday. Uh, Linda Mail on the emails has got in touch saying it's probably one of the worst first-half performances of a season on Saturday. You could probably have changed the whole team at half-time, but at least we put up a fight in the second half. But this kind of performance will not get us promoted from League One next season before it's of Linda on the emails thank you very much Linda as always for getting in touch um, Mark we'll come on to talk about the Pompey goals in just a second but that first half yes a, a two goal deficit taken into um, that half time break was it a bad Pompey display or was it just two really really stupid goals to concede considering they were both you know, formulated from mistakes yeah, it's it's a tough one, isn't it? I think it's obviously two really sloppy goals. I mean, they're both avoidable. We're, we were quite sleepy, I think, in the first half. We took a little while to get going. But I think that's been a bit of a common trend this season. I think we've seen quite a lot of the time that we've been a second-half team. Um, and so, more often than not this season, we've, we've found ourselves in a position where we've needed a goal or two to be conceded against us for us to wake up a little bit. I don't know if that's just something that um, just, just seems to be a common theme of the players this season. But... We made amends. We could have been 3-2. Colby missed a penalty. Uh, you know, things happen for a reason, I suppose. <laughs> but, I mean, yeah, as I say, I, I'm, I'm fairly I'm fairly sure we sort of can look at, look at that and think it was two points dropped in a way. But we did we did really well to, to come back in the second half. I mean, if that had been the first half and second half performance, we, we you know, I, I was going into that game thinking we were going to win you know, three or four nil, perhaps. Mm. So, um, yeah, sloppy areas, to be honest, Jake. But the manner of the match, Alex, when you're two goals behind at half time, you come back to draw, to draw two all. In the context of it, you'd usually maybe look at that and go, "Oh, it feels like a win." Mm. But in the context of where Pompey are on the table, how many points they've got to claw back, how many matches there are now between now and the end of the campaign, very limited. It actually feels if anything, a bit like a, a defeat more than a win. Obviously, it doesn't feel like a win, but more yeah. than a draw. <laughs> yeah, I, th I think it, it, it is just kind of a classic draw. As you say, if it happens the other way around, it's a, it feels like a defeat. I think the thing is, is that for me, I was just following the score from from uh, from Birmingham, and I remember, you know, sort of 67 minutes, 70th minute, and I thought at that point, 
come on, surely we've surely we've got to go on and win this now. But from what I've heard, it was it was Port Vale that was sort of raising their game mm. at two all. And you know, I mean, I mean, fair play to them, and they do sound like a a, a team that have certainly got a degree of quality. But yeah, you have to. You have to be going into those games and, and scoring the first goal. I mean, you can't be giving away silly mistakes. We've all, we've all said that. I mean, that's just completely fundamental. It's the basics of football. But I think when you look at the result as a whole, uh, we could have been four points off the playoffs. Hmm. And if we then sort of maybe this weekend, or perhaps we gain another point, perhaps we maybe gain another two points. I think every single time we gain, if the season tails off and we're still just outside the top six, we're going to be thinking those two points against Port Vale I know that would be in my mind because that was one of the games you would have earmarked to say we would have won and if we end up finishing outside the playoffs by one or two points which is feasible and would be very Pompey then you know then it does come back to that result hopefully that won't be the case there's still plenty of football to be played there's plenty of things that will still happen but it yeah I mean it it doesn't feel like a defeat but it it certainly doesn't feel like a win you know Looking at Port Vale, um, in, in case there are a few of you back home that may be thinking that should have been a routine win for Pompey. Anything less is just absolutely bewildering, and I don't know how that's happened. Yeah, perhaps given the context of where Port Vale are in Division 16th heading into kickoff. However, now with just one defeat in the last four, it is their first season back in League One um, since they were relegated out of it in 2017. So they are trying to, you know, essentially fight to stay in Division, their first season back. The 10 points clear of the drop zone. They have taken some very, very big results this season. They've beaten Derby away. They're the only team to beat Plymouth Argyle away from home. They've drawn with Barnsley and Wickham away. They know how to get results against top half clubs, particularly away from home. That said, yes, plenty of um, negatives and talking points to take from Pompey's um, display on Saturday. But if you're looking at Port Vale as a side that perhaps Pompey should be routinely beating, no, just not not the case, unfortunately. Um, sometimes you have to give a little bit of credit to to the opposition but that's not what we're here for we are here to talk about Pompey um, and now we're going to come on to talk about the goals and, and actually we start off with something that wasn't a goal um, Mark in the first half Colby Bishop's first penalty um, I, no doubt about the penalty and I actually think it was really good refereeing from the man in the middle given it after a slight tug um, on Sean Raggett's shirt just about five minutes before he had a word with the Port Vale defenders to say any more of that, you know, tugging in the penalty area from corners and you know deep free kicks, I will give something. Uh, and they didn't listen, and the referee gave a penalty. And, and unfortunately, Colby Bishop unable to punish them. Mark, was that a poorly taken spot kick, or was it just unlucky from Colby Bishop with the goalkeeper guessing the right way? I think, um, yeah, I don't think it's the best spot kick I've ever seen. But <laughs> I think Colby Bishop has some allowance to do... Something's wrong. I mean, he's had a pretty stellar season. I mean, four assists and 19 league goals. He's, you know, he's often carried us. And I think what he's done for the team and what he's done for that front line up top is understated quite often. Um, I think he's been one of the best strikers we've seen at the park since probably Brett Pittman, to be honest. So um, I think you can't really blame him too much. He's allowed to have an off moment or an off day. I mean, his conversion rate, you know, for shots versus goals is pretty impressive. It's the best of the league. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. So to say, pretty impressive as an understatement. So I think it was, and it was quite a lot of pressure on his shoulders to bring Pompey back mm-hmm. into the game when we weren't having a great half. Um, they're basically placing everything on him to get us to drag us back into the game. So uh, yeah, you can't look too much into it, I don't think. But yeah, you're right, great referee in as well to see that. Colby Bishop, seven goals in his last seven games. Um, that started, well, that little run started with a, a 
the game against Bolton at Frasson Park, scoring in that one. Before that, he'd gone two matches without scoring, which at the time seemed like a bit of a goal drought uh, for Golby Bishop, but he did uh, get two assists in the game against Cheltenham. That followed, of course, the game against Bolton, a goal in that one, a goal away at Cambridge, away at Barnsley, uh, a blank against Sheffield Wednesday, of course, one nil defeat for the Blues at Fratton, then followed by um, a goal against his former side, Accrington, a brace against Bristol Rovers last weekend, and then, of course, the uh, penalty, which he did score in the second half um, against Port Vale at the weekend. Uh, Alex, before we do move into the third and final part of tonight's show, Colby Bishop bringing a goal back for Pompey um, in that second half. Really, really crucial time of the game to bring the game back to, to 2-1. The pressure on his shoulders and, yeah. and really emphasising what Mark's been alluding to in that previous comment has been carrying Pompey quite a lot this season and by no stretch of the imagination we put Colby Bishop down at all um, however that first penalty yeah not the greatest but to face up against the Fratton end with your team 2-0 down in a really bad position trying to get back into the, or trying to get into those playoff positions against the Fratton end having missed the penalty in the first half the ice cool veins that he showed <laughs> to actually tuck yeah. that one away and, and you only get that in decent strikers and Colby Bishop is undoubtedly one of them hundred percent. I mean, he's been an absolutely fantastic player this season. I mean, I, I always remind one of my friends who who looked at the sort of previous record at previous clubs and said it was a, an uninspiring signing. It's been anything but. Considering that our form has been a bit indifferent, he still consistently put the ball in the back of the net. And there's also there's no guarantee that a striker is going to be good at penalties because it isn't necessarily about finishing. It is about guts, as you say. Those you know, eyes cold veins. And you think earlier on in the season we had a penalty uh, in a game against Cardiff that Bishop was playing in, but Ronan Curtis took the spot kick. Whenever Joe Piggott's been on the uh, the pitch. He's taken taken spot kicks. Bishop, I think, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but that might have been his first penalty miss of the season. He has scored other ones as well. Yeah. But you know, uh, there's no guarantee that um, that he's going to be a, a fantastic a fantastic penalty taker simply because he's a striker. And also, as you say, in a game where things, well, in a half, let's say, where things just were not going our way, no matter what we did, you know, what we have, we tried to do, you know, refereeing decisions perhaps as well, whatever things. It sometimes just is one of those afternoons, but. It could have been even worse had he not put the second penalty away. So he deserves a lot of credit for that. He's been an outstanding player this season. Pompey fans, they like to get at strikers, but nah, you, you cannot level any criticism to him this season. He's been absolutely fantastic. Not Golby, not Golby. Right, 81400, the number to text Pompey fans if you'd like to have your say between now and 7 o'clock, just under 20 minutes to do so. Start your messages with the word express. You can email sport at expressfm.com. Include at expressfm within your tweets if you're on Twitter or find us on our Facebook page, Facebook dot com forward slash Pompey Live. Right, it is time now to head into our second and final ad break of the night and when we return we'll conclude our review of Pompey Stalemate with Port Vale and take a listen to Andy Cullen's latest Q&A with the football club. He discusses plenty from the training ground to the academy as well as the desired model set to propel the Blues forward, learning from successes at other clubs. It's just not sustainable if you look at sustainability in terms of break even and the more successful clubs in the championship, the ones that aren't losing so much money and are punching above the weight have been able to do so because they've been very very successful in terms of player trading Join us again for that and much more when the Football Hour reaches its conclusion in just a moment, don't go anywhere This is the Football Hour 93.7 Express FM Whether you're out with your mates, catching the latest blockbuster or just enjoying late night bus rides From 7pm every day you can take advantage of a night Rider ticket taking you from A to B and everywhere in between. Simply purchase your Knight Rider ticket on the bus or using the Stagecoach app. 
to get unlimited travel anywhere on the whole of the Stagecoach South for just £2.50. The world is your oyster. Visit stagecoachbus.com for timetable and ticket information. This is the Football Hour 93.7 Express FM. Welcome along for the final time tonight to the Football Hour here on Express FM, driven to you by Stagecoach across the South. You can either download their app now from either the Apple app or Google Play Store or visit stagecoachbus.com to find out more information on the services they can provide in your area as well as what they are doing to try and make their transportation services cleaner and greener across the country. Join myself, Jake Smith, alongside Alex Fletcher and Mark McGee, where we uh, bring a conclusion to our review of Saturday's stalemate with Port Vale at Fratton Park. Um, Mark, let's come on to the second goal then, the equaliser. Michael Jacobs, real tidy finish after what was a bit of a mess in the Port Vale penalty area. However, um, a great strike from Jacobs in a, in a very, again, pivotal moment to, to equalise from Pompey, Pompey just three minutes after that penalty from Colby Bishop. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I think um, some of the substitutions that John Messina made had had an impact on that, to be honest. I think, you know, we didn't, okay, we, we, did, we, we didn't have the best first half, but I think some changes were made um, at halftime that did have a massive impact on that. It was great to see Tom Lowry back. Um, and, and, and yeah, the, I think it, it was there for us to see that although Port Vale, like you said, have, have put up a really good fight this season and by no means can they be pushed over easily, you know, um, Having come up from League Two, there are some frailties there, and there are some like low confidence moments in their defence and back line, which we saw a little bit on Saturday. So, yeah, I think it was a matter of time, and I think in the second half our performance was vastly improved, and our attacking game has been so sharp under Massinho that there's never been a question of if we're going to score goals, it's is when. And um, I wasn't so sure of Michael Jacobs. Um, performance in, in, in the, in the uh, game if I'm completely honest but he got the goal and that's what we needed hmm. um, almost a third and almost a winner from Rico Hackett towards the end um, Mark and it was in a similar position to Michael Jacobs equaliser but for a fantastic save from the Port Vale goalkeeper Alex alluded to the fact that in that second half after Pompey had drawn level it was all mostly one way traffic from Port Vale and they seemed to have the ascendancy in the final stages of that game but Pompey almost did the most important thing and won it right at the end. Such a shame. And, and, and again, Mark, that could be something at the end of the campaign. If we do just miss out on the playoffs by a point or two, that is the key moment. You look at that one save right in the dying embers of that game from Rico Hackett and you think, maybe, maybe yet again. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, yeah, just goes to show we gave ourselves too much to do, didn't we? Again, um, through, you know, silly errors. But I mean yeah it, it, towards the end of the season moments like that do count but i mean you have to you have to look at the the grand picture of the whole season and say there were there were some parts of the first half of the season where you know there were vast improvements needed then so um yeah it is fine details like that that do decide the end of the season but i'm still feeling fairly confident um, Alex, uh, Joe Morell, of course, went international duty at the weekend and uh, a big big miss for, for Pompey on Saturday, uh, who lines up with Ryan Tunnicliffe and Louis Thompson. Tom Lowry on the bench added in the second half again, changing the game in terms of Pompey's uh, attacking intent. Joe Morell, of course, you can't help it. International call-ups, mm. absolutely. It's a chance you, you can't... You can't let go, and, and Poppy's position, only two call-ups with Dane Scarlett going to the England under-20s. You need three in League One below to be able to apply to have your games called off. Not the case for John Messino's side. Um, 
in black and white was Joe Morrell a massive massive miss on Saturday I think so but I don't think it's something that we can sort of look at and think that we didn't have creative players that were in that team I think you do have to start with one of Jacobs or Lowry or Morrell if Morrell was available listen I understand that Jacobs' injury record is is very very difficult, and that's that's why when you do have you know a, a certain number of games in the season, you can't play him every week, and it is such a shame because he does bring a lot of quality to the team. But I do think the midfield that we started with, I think that I'm not saying it contributes to the defensive errors. That's completely on the defenders, but it doesn't help when you don't have that outlet. You're trying to play out from the back. You need players that are all going to link up and be able to do that. I think. Yeah, I mean, Morel would have would have walked into that team, I think, on Saturday had he been available. I was surprised, though, not to see one of Lowry or Jacobs in the starting lineup. And I think, as you say, when those players were on the pitch, they make they, they make a massive difference. And I think I'm hoping it'll be a case of all right, we've lesson learned. We need to play those players. I say we'll have you know more availability next weekend. But I don't think you can really go into a game, particularly at home, hmm. where you expect to try and dominate, try, try and expect to score goals without one of the. I would say three creative players that were available two in the case of Saturday yeah. still options there they've got to be on the pitch On the subject of uh, Pompey's international players of course Joe Morrell featuring uh, in a one-all draw against Croatia away from home um, at the weekend big big result for uh, the Welsh in that one coming from a goal behind equalising right up to death and Nathan Broadhead uh, the Ipswich Town uh, player uh, scoring the equaliser for them late on in the game Joe Morrell started and Dane Scarlett featuring for the England under-20s in a friendly victory at a neutral occasion against the USA, uh, getting an assist in that match as well. So not too bad in terms of Pompey's players out on international duty this weekend. Right, moving on from Pompey, um, or really the game on Saturday and the international players who didn't feature, to Blues Chief Executive Andy Cullen. He recently had his latest Q&A with the football club and he started off by discussing the club's ambitions to improve training facilities. Well, I think in Portsmouth, um, if you choose to have a training uh, site on the island, then you're going to be, uh, you know, sort of exposed to the, you know, the, the very, very high water table, which is in certain parts of Portsmouth is 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 very much being on an island, uh, creates its own set of issues. Um, and of course, um, for any team in, in, in League One, any team in the Championship, unless you have under-soil heating installed at your training ground, then, you know, you can protect them through frost sheets. So, what we tried, try to, you know, what we're trying to do at the moment is just improve uh, the surfaces as best we can at the training ground. We have um, this summer we have a program going on where all the pitches will be renovated. We're going to spend a little bit on the pitch four, which is the pitch that the academy train on a little bit more, and we're looking at improving the irrigation to all the pitches as well. So that's a little bit of investment that's going on, which will give us some better services, I think, going forward. Uh, and uh, yeah, it's 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 one that um, you know you have to keep on top of your pictures all the time. You have to do some renovation each summer, uh, and at some point, you know, we will start to look at you know laying some new pictures completely down. Um, but you know, there's huge investments. You know, new pictures aren't cheap. To do the one here at Fratton Park is going to be in excess of one and a half to two million pounds. Uh, by the time you get your drainage sorted, the time you lay the new pitch, potentially putting some undersoil pipes in as well. Likewise, at the training ground, um, you've got those capital investment projects that uh, we know we need to be mindful of, but which are critical to having a, you know, a, a top performing uh, elite environment. The combined net debt of championship clubs is £1.8 billion. Just soak that in for a minute. The combined losses of championship clubs in 21-22 were £290 million. That was actually down from £508 million the previous year, mainly on player trading. 
the, the, the wages to turnover ratio, clubs, the average sort of turnover to ratio, uh, wage, to t- wage to turnover ratio in the, in the championship is 125%. And then finally, you've got owners on average having to stick in £16 million per club. It's just not sustainable if you look at sustainability in terms of break-even. And the more successful clubs um, in, a, in a championship, the ones that aren't losing so much money and are punching above the weight, have been able to do so because they've been very, very successful in terms of player trading. Um, I think Luton, a couple of years ago, sold players for £10 million and have been able to operate relatively successfully compared to their peers in the championship. So there are some horror stories. And how do we address that? Well, that's why we really support the fan-led review. This is going to be absolutely critical for football because, um, you know, you'll have an independent regulator come in. Uh, The Football League's position, which we support, is to look at a fairer distribution of wealth throughout the pyramid, um, but not to use that money necessarily uh, on wages, but to use it on infrastructure. So to build your stadiums, to build everything around you that uh, means that you get a, a, you know, a, a much more secure environment for football supporters and their clubs. And that's why the fan-led review looks at that and gets that balance right, because it's all too easy to say, let's take the extra money and spend it all on players. But supporters themselves, if you look for the fan-led review, don't want to do that. They want their clubs to be secure for the future. And the other aspect that's going on is a a complete review of financial fair play in the championship. So we have in League One a model called Salary Cost Management Protocol, and that limits you to spending 60% Um, of your turnover on player wages. Now, you can top it up through equity, um, not through loans, not through debt, but by owners agreeing to put equity in. So that's how some of the bigger spending clubs in our division uh, have have, have taken out some equity, enabling them to do that. In the championship, though, it's all a bit more retrospective. So you can lose uh, £39 million, I believe it is, over a course of three years. But of course, the damage is already done. And that's why you have the problems at Derby and issues that other championship clubs at the moment are experiencing. And that's why you haven't seen, other than the parachute clubs, a lot of investment, a lot of spending on transfer fees. Obviously, you have an academy in place that you want to deliver more homegrown players uh, from Portsmouth into the first team and provide pathways for them to do that. So we've had to do a complete review of the academy, as supporters know, over the last 18 months. Uh, Greg Miller's been at the forefront of that, completely reshaping staffing. And I think you start to look at how do you achieve those objectives? Well, you need to have your strategy in place, and that encompasses a number of different areas. First and most importantly, it's to have alignment with the first team. So the academy is not a separate silo working independently of first team football. Our previous head coach did a lot of work in terms of getting that process working hard with Greg. And it's something which is going to be continued by by John and by John Harley as well in terms of making sure, not just in terms of coaching, but we get all the different aspects, all different departments working closely together. So uh, sports science, uh, recruitment, analysis, medicine, it's all part of one big picture here. Uh, And then most importantly, it's looking at player recruitment. We don't want to be at a point where we're only recruiting players at two age bands, eights and twelves. We want to consistently look to scout the best local young talent um, and bring them into into Portsmouth Academy, make sure that they can see there are pathways for them to choose the academy. So that means we need to be really focused on our 
of recruitment not get too comfortable that once you're in the academy necessarily as a player you've got a free pass till you're 16 when a decision is made about scholarships so again that's why we've increased the number of our scouts I think there are a couple when I came in when uh, Greg was here and Greg's now increased that to 11 scouts so hugely important in the way that we integrate and that also brings us forward to the fantastic work that the team and the academy have done in terms of rebuilding confidence rebuilding relationships with local football clubs Blues CEO Andy Cullen speaking in the latest Q&A with the football club there, talking about training ground, academy and sustainability as well. Right, a couple of uh, tweets to read out before we do leave you in just a moment's time. Uh, Barry from the 1898 can't hide from the fact that those are dropped points. A poor performance all round. Not many players can leave the pitch with their heads held high. Uh, Rumour has it though, Owen Taylor's still out there um, chopping back and forth. Barry from 98, thank you for getting in touch. An interesting one here uh, from local MP Stephen Morgan Improving accessibility between Fratton Station and Fratton Park remains a priority for Pompey. That is why I've brought together the club, council and network rail to steer discussions to secure a feasibility study into options and deliver for fans and local people. So some interesting comments there from local MP Stephen Morgan addressing the situation. Um, In regards to Goldsmith Avenue and the routes between Fratton Station and Fratton Park, something we know that Portsmouth Football Club and the City Council have been in dialogue for quite a number of years now to try and improve uh, the accessibility for supporters on a match day. Um, looking at the uh, fixtures in League One this week, Exeter City at home to Barnsley tomorrow evening at St James's Park on Wednesday night. Cheltenham Town host Sheffield Wednesday at Wadden Road. A big thank you to Alex Fletcher for joining me on the show tonight. Alex, thank you very much. Thank you so much, Jay. Thank you for having me on. It's been great to be back in the uh, in the studio. Likewise, thank you very much to Mark McGee joining us over the phone lines tonight. Mark, have a fantastic week, my friend. Thank you, Jake. Cheers, buddy. I'll be back on Friday with two more Blues fans to preview what is a big game at Fratton Park. Forest Green Rovers, the visitors, join us on Pompey Live from 2 o'clock. All the unmissable action. This is Pompey Live. Pompey came from 2-0 down to earn themselves a point at home to Port Vale. host Forest Green Rovers next as the football club celebrates its 125th birthday. Join us for all of the unmissable action Saturday from 2. Pompey Live on Express FM with Aqua Cars. That is right, a show you really will not want to miss on Saturday afternoon if you're not heading to Fratton Park and you will be tuning in either on iFollow or on FM DAB and you want to listen to the coverage here on Express FM, do do keep your ears uh, very much peeled for an interesting pre-match show on Saturday as Pompey kickstart the celebrations for their 125th year anniversary. We've got plenty to come in the build-up on Saturday afternoon, so keep your eyes peeled on social media and your ears peeled on Saturday. Saturday afternoon. I'll be joined, as I mentioned before that promo, by two more Pompey fans this Friday. The usual time is six o'clock to preview that game on Saturday for our screen Rovers with visitors. And I'll be joined by two more Pompey fans to preview that one and talk about the week's news, uh, not just Pompey, but League One and football as well. Coming up here on Express FM this evening, Jeff and Ada back with the Soft Rock Show right after the news at seven. They've got the latest new music, plus the big quiz and retro tracks from down the years as well. Kevin Stokes returns with that 80 show between 9 and 11 tomorrow morning. You can be waken up by Ian Jane from 6.30 with Express Breakfast. Paul Marsh has got your mid-morning show between 10 and 1 and then Mason Jordan returns from 4 through till 6 with your drive time. Local music show back 
Deacon with Josh Robinson from 6 o'clock. Henry Deacon returns this Wednesday from 6 through till 7 with your next football fix here on Express FM. Until then, Pompey fans, have yourself a fantastic week. Stay safe and play at Pompey.